Well, hello there, my friends, and welcome to episode 58 of Little Cabin Knits, Knitting Blindfolded. Little Cabin Knits is a bi-weekly podcast all about knitting, mental health, advocacy, my pregnancy journey, and life happenings here in the wilds of Alaska with a little bit of Huga sprinkled throughout. I'm your host, Emily. I'm a knitter, crafter, mental health therapist, and explorer of my home state of Alaska, not to mention, obviously, an expectant mother. (laughs) This week's episode contains administration, raise a cuppa, on the couch, on the shelf, a time for Huga, and contemplation corner. So grab a cuppa of your choice, sit back, and let's discuss some knitting adventures and other adventures that I've had over the last ensuing weeks. Thank you so much for joining me. Administration. I'm so happy to be with you guys today. I've been feeling a little bit down in the dumps today, so I thought that I would spend some time with you to help me kind of improve my mood. I will get into why later on Raise a Cuppa. But for now, uh, where can you find me? Well, I am Anders Mill Knits on Instagram and Ravelry. I do have a Little Cabin Knits Instagram account. I rarely post on it. (laughs) So there is that. Um, I also have a YouTube channel called Between Knits and Pearls, which I co-host with my knitting bestie, Stephanie, who is Farmstead Knits. And then you can also find all the show notes um, at www.betweenknitsandpearls.com. In addition to that, if you want to get a hold of me via email, you can email me at littlecabinknitsak at gmail.com. And like I always say, the best and easiest way to get hold of me is to uh, private message me on Instagram. I'm always checking that. And in fact, actually, our um, our segment today of um, of um, personal skill set actually comes from a conversation I had with somebody via private messaging. So there you go on Instagram. So. Uh, A little other administrative uh, uh, things to announce is our project down along is still going and it's going good. It's going strong. I got something done that I'm going to talk about today that uh, I'm excited to have uh, on tacked onto my list of things I can enter into this pal. Um, I do have a Ravelry thread on the Between Knits and Pearls Ravelry group for you to enter in all of your Uh, finished objects so you could be entered in to win the prizes also if you use the hashtag project down along 2022 on instagram you will also be entered in to win the prizes and boy howdy do we have good prizes we've got a sweaters quantity we've got a donation of yarn from a listener you know who you are we've got 10 pattern giveaways from um we you knits and there was something else what was it i think i'm i think i had something (laughs) but see now i can't even remember all the prizes at this point but i have talked about them ad nauseum in past episodes i think the last time i really went over them was episode 55 um and so if you want to listen to that to get all the details on that 
just a reminder that um, Project Down Along is all about knitting down your current whips and, uh, well, languishing whips, more like anything that you cast on before January 1st of 2022 counts towards, and, and then you finish it during this time frame, counts towards the Project Down Along. And um, we will be drawing prizes at the end of May, hopefully, if little baby Jimmy comes uh, before then (laughs) and I am unable to record an episode I will do that as soon as I can as soon as I'm feeling up to it after my baby is born because it's right around the time like we don't know is he going to be born then or two weeks later we don't know but so we do still have a little over a month left for the project down along. So get those old whips out and keep working on them, my friends. It's worthwhile. All right. And the last thing I was going to mention is that I recently was interviewed for the audio podcast Gravel Knits, in which I had a rollicking good time, like <laughs> a ridiculously good time with my good friends, Kelsey and Caitlin, who are the hosts of Gravel Knits. And you can find that episode Um, on all the major streaming applications out there. And the title of that episode is uh, GK, as in Gravel Knits, Off the Track Episode 14, Interview with Emily from Little Cabin Knits. So pretty much explains exactly what it is. Even if you can't remember uh, the entire title of the episode, you'll be able to find me on there. Um, and I just had such a good time. I am a little embarrassed at just how sometimes goofy I got and, some, and sometimes how a little too open maybe I was. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, it was just so lovely to talk to these women who have become friends um, through the podcasting and knitting community over the past year. And so I just, you know, I just let loose, if you will. And I want to thank you all for the wonderful feedback and encouragement and lovely thoughts from the last episode. This one in which I uh, um, interviewed my good friend Nancy about her pregnancy journeys. And that one is fastly becoming one of the most listened to episodes I've ever recorded. So uh, thank you for that. I guess you guys were really interested in that. Please note that on that episode, I did say that I was going to link some websites from Nancy on the blog. And remember, she is one week ahead of me in the pregnancy, and I'm even finding it hard to get things done at this stage. So I still haven't gotten those links from her. But as soon as I do, I will update that blog post so that you guys can see those. But otherwise, that is administration. Raise a cuppa. Well, it has been a little over three weeks since I last podcasted, and this is supposed to be a bi-weekly podcast. My bad. But in my defense, I've been feeling really tired, and I've had um, some, you know, some interesting things going on with the pregnancy. At one point, I was in the ER, and then at, at another point, I was in OB triage. I'm fine. And baby Jimmy is even better. But I am very uncomfortable. 
Uh, bed rest is really getting on my nerves. Um, but there are things I can do. And so Mr. Radio and I have been doing what we can to relieve the tedium that is, has, oh, and the prison that has become either my bed or the recliner, which is a very plush recliner, by the way, my father is letting us borrow it from him, um, that I find myself one place or the other throughout the entire day. So, you know, um, it has been a little bit difficult for me to find the time um, on top of everything else to podcast, but you guys are very important to me. I want you to know that you're always on my mind. Uh, now I want to sing that song. Um, <laughs> and I- I'm really happy that I can spend the day with you today. The reason why I needed a pick-me-up is because currently my dog is at the vet for the whole day. I'm very nervous about it. Um, poor Watson, you know, we've had a couple good months since Christmas where he seemed to be improving in his health and we were getting control of things. But the last couple weeks, he just seemed to be continuously going downhill. Um, he would start to shake uncontrollably. Um, and at first we were thinking it was, he was just cold. And so we would wrap him up in blankets and things, but then we started noticing, um, the other symptoms too. Like for instance, he just always ravenous, like, um, and, and my, my pup half the time I used to have to like hand feed him to get him to eat. But now it's just been like, he, he just can't seem to get enough food, but at the same time he's losing weight. And he also has some other things. For instance, um, his incontinence has gotten worse. Uh, there was one day in which, um, he was cuddling with me on the um, on the couch and he just lost control of his bowels right there beside me. And it's hard for me to get upset with him. You know, he's a 14 year old dog and that's really old for a dog. And I just, and he's very ill. So it's hard for us to get upset when those things happen, even though it's really difficult. And so last, so the past couple nights, um, have been even more difficult because he has been needing to use the restroom multiple times during the night. And um, I'm the one that gets up to let him out. Last night, I let him out over five times last night. Um, And so I'm running on very little sleep because not only did that happen, but, you know, baby Jimmy, he does things like press on my bladder. So, of course, that makes me need to get up multiple times. And um, always a little bit uncomfortable, so it's hard for me to sleep. But... So um, the vet asked that I just bring him in, even though they couldn't find an actual appointment time for him. They felt it was important that they see him today. So I brought him in first thing when they opened and have just left him there in their care. And I I hope I imprinted on them how important he... Well, his vet, Dr. Reese, she is very loving and very caring towards Watson, and she very much cares for him. Um, But I have noticed there's been a turnover in the tech department, you know, the vet tech department. And I was working with somebody today that I don't think I've ever worked with with my dog. And so I was really trying to imprint on her like I'm leaving him in your care. This is very scary for me to do. And I need you to take care of him like he's your own. Like you need to take him outside. You need to give him lots of water and all this kind of stuff. And just make sure that he's okay. I've called. It's 
you know, I've called a couple times already to check in on them and they've been texting me updates, but we don't know anything as yet. So they're going to, they're running a bunch of texts, tests, and we'll see how things go. But that's why I need a little bit of a pick me up, if you will, you know, just yet again, (laughs) more dog drama and trauma going on over here at Little Cabin Knits, but we will deal with it. And my husband's been messaging me all day, making sure that I'm okay and things. So I will get through it and I'm going to pause for a moment so I can collect myself. Okay, feeling a little better. (laughs) So I also didn't feel like podcasting for a good while there because I felt like I didn't have much progress of of not knitting to share with you because of the things that have been happening um, with the bed rest. um, They've been asking me to mainly be laying on my side, particularly my right side. Uh, I don't know if any of you have tried to knit laying down on your back, which is... Uh, I find difficult to do actually, but it's, <laughs> I think it's impossible to knit while you're laying on your side. So <laughs> uh, it's been a difficult time to figure out how to incorporate my knitting while also following the doctor's directives. But I have I have some good stuff to talk about today that I'm really excited about. So, um. But life here in Alaska continues to just move on. And we're seeing the transition from winter into spring here. Which technically, you know, we're get, we're getting close to summer. But, you know, it's still sp- spring. And spring is not a pretty time in Alaska. I think I've mentioned that the last couple years that I've been podcasting. Um, you know, it's full of dark colors. It reminds me a lot of bleak mid uh, bleak late fall a lot of times however with the fall in Alaska you have this wonderful smell in the air and it's just it's crisp and and it's the sort of crispness that crispness that you just want to be out in and you're excited for the winter to come well it's different though in the spring there's still the bleakness and the, well, I wouldn't say so much darkness because our days are getting longer and longer, you know, summer equinox is in June, right around the time that Jimmy's supposed to be born. Well, hopefully his official due date is when he will be born, not before. And, um, and so we are getting more and more light, but it does oftentimes seem still rather bleak because, uh, there's so much, um, dampness and muckiness on the ground but at the same time we're just that just and oh and the air is just thick with the smell of molding leaves <laughs> you know uh from last winter and in my case um because the um right before the first snowfall happened they needed to refill in all of the yard that they had ripped up my entire yard that they had ripped up um, to work on our foundation. They brought in uh, a bunch of soil. And at the time I thought it was actually soil. But now that spring is here and the smell is coming up, I really do think it's cow manure that they filled it in with. (laughs) Because it is not a pleasant smell at all. So it's hard for me to even have my windows and doors open, even though I want to bring in the spring freshness because of that constant smell going on. But at the same time, you know, uh, people are 
just uh, excited. You know, it's hard not to be excited because we've had a rough winter. It's been uh, very cold. We've had a lot of snow and people are getting out. They're going hiking and they're excited, even though they're stepping into mud and they're slipping all over the place. You know, I see friends and family posting pictures of them going hiking and they're just covered in mud because because of their adventures. But they're loving it because, you know, it's hard. It's hard to go hiking in the wintertime here. Um, And, you know, Mr. Radio and I have been able to finally get back out and do more of our evening walks like we've been doing. And even last week, I was so excited. I actually completed our entire 1.67, 1.67, so kind of like 1.7 mile walk uh, that we used to do before I was pregnant. We did that without even thinking and didn't even get us tired or anything. And it was just our regular route and we loved it so much. And I've even taken you guys um, on that walk with me a couple times on the audio podcast here. But, um, you know, we, we, we actually completed that entire walk last week, but it did really exhaust me. I knew I was overdoing it, but I just, I really wanted to be out and moving. Um, and little Jimmy wasn't too happy in my belly. He kept on kicking this nerve that goes straight down to my woman's parts that really, really hurts. And so, um, Mr. Radio kept stopping and saying, I really think we should turn back. You need to lie down again. I'm like, no, (laughs) I want this walk. This is my time. And so we did complete it. He was very good, but I did have to go and take a bath afterwards to warm back up and then, and to relax those muscles and then go straight to bed afterwards. But it was worth it. It was worth it. Um, and you know, people are walking around without their winter coats on and it's like 38 degrees and it's just wonderful and yesterday even on my way home from my doctor's appointment I saw a woman driving a convertible with the top down and she and she didn't have a coat on and she was just rocking out to some music and I just was smiling so hugely and I looked at the temperature and right then I think the temperature it was either 42 degrees or 48 degrees I can't remember which it was Um, but I just thought to myself, yeah, only in Alaska would we have our, our convertible tops down (laughs) when it's that, that degrees outside. Well, I wouldn't say only in Alaska, but you know, it's what I've experienced, but we've been working around the house and doing little things. Um, we've been working on getting, um, Jimmy's, um, nursery slash office set up, which has been kind of difficult because we still don't have actual furniture for Jimmy. A friend of ours is giving, gifting us their, um, some of their baby supplies and we just haven't gotten that from them yet. So we haven't been able to incorporate that or clean those items up to put into the room, but we did get my new smaller desk and boy, howdy, is it a lot smaller? I'm going to have to learn to live with it, but I can and Mr. Radio put that together for me, and I've just been trying to organize things. I got some beautiful um, cloth baskets today to put Jimmy's um, prizes in, things that people have been giving us, which, speaking of, I want to thank you all for the gifts that have been rolling in, uh, the hand-knit gifts, and some of you have said, 
sent a few things off of the baby registry that I have linked in my profile on Instagram. Not required at all. I just put it up there because I kept getting that request from uh, people, from um, some of you maybe, I don't know, um, but also just people in general on Instagram and friends and family on Facebook and things. And so I finally gave in and, and posted that. And so just so you know, not required at all, but very much appreciated because they really light up my life when I get a a package from Amazon and I'm just sitting here thinking, I didn't order anything (laughs) from Amazon. Why am I getting a package? And then I open it up and it's another thing for Jimmy from somebody um, near or far. And it's just a wonderful thing. So I got some cloth diapers for him also. Um, I bought them secondhand. Some of them are pretty darn stained. And so today when I was out, after I dropped off the dog, I went over to Walmart and I got some things to try and clean all of that up, but plus the baskets that I mentioned. And so this weekend I'm going to be working on that, cleaning up. Oh, he's kicking good. Um, cleaning up his, his uh, used diapers. I only got the newborn size. Um, and then also my sister and I are planning on starting to attend uh, do our garage sale hopping that we used to do. Oh my gosh, I love garage sailing with my older sister. It's one of my favorite things to do with her. And this year she's like, I'm so glad that you have something that you have to be shopping for because I'm trying to downsize. I don't want more things. But she's like, but we can go garage sailing for baby Jimmy. <laughs> and I was like, yes, exactly. Because I feel the same way. I don't want any new things for me I want to concentrate on my little Jimmy Bean and just, you know, making him happy. In fact, just yesterday we were working on the nursery and I had thought that I had donated probably everything that I could or wanted to, I should say, at that point. But yesterday evening, by the time Mr. Radio and I were done, which by the way, I went to bed by 7.30. I was so exhausted. But um, by the time 7.30 rolled around, we had three huge boxes um, that Mr. Radio put into the van for me to take to donations. And I'm talking huge boxes of things. Um, you know, if you go to Home Depot and you get their moving boxes, we had three of the large size moving boxes filled with donations. And I was just so happy about that because I'm, I'm learning. I can... I, I, I'm changing my focus. I want to be focused on, on him, not on me. And I can do with a lot less than I ever thought. But still, there's room for improvement there. So let me see. I think that was about everything I wanted to mention as far as what's been going on. So yeah, the past few weeks have been really good. Oh, I forgot. Mr. Radio's new job with the municipality. So maybe eventually I'll call him Mr. Muni. I don't know. It feels weird. He's always Mr. Radio to me. Um, Has been going really well. Today he is out shadowing their um, in-the-field operator. So he's been sending me lots of pictures of him working out in the field and shadowing that person. And he's really enjoying himself while at the same time being super worried about our pup. And... um, As for me, I've been working really hard at my job and uh, I'm rather stressed at my job as well because not not their doing. It's just 
me needing to let go of control, if you will. But I'm trying to prepare everything for hopefully the six weeks. I'm hoping I'll be, um, I'll have six week, six weeks totally total paid of of PTO that I can take for when um, delivery comes. I get one week. Yep, I know. I only get one week of parental leave from my job. And so I've been saving every single minute of my PTO since we got back from our honeymoon. And um, so between that and then, you know, I might have to take a little FMLA time because I my doctor already said she won't sign off on me going back to work until I've been off for at least six weeks. So we shall see. Um, but I need to prepare all of that. There's I run two departments and it's and in both departments it's just me. I'm the only employee. I do everything in those two departments. And so I have to prepare for me being gone. So as far as trainings go, I'm bringing in guest speakers that are experts in their fields to to host some events while I'm gone and I've asked my supervisor to help them, you know, to help make sure that that goes off without a hitch and then for my other department, I've been putting some things into place and hoping that everything will go well um, there. So you know, it's been it's been a lot. It's been a lot, and my and my eye is twitching. My left eye is twitching so much that people are making comments about it, <laughs> like the cashier lady at Walmart today. <laughs> she 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 asked me if I was all right. <laughs> Because my eye was twitching so bad. And of course, you know, I'm still masking up. Even though I am vaccinated and everything, I'm I'm still continuing to mask up. Because uh, there's no way in Hades that I'm going to get COVID um, while um, I'm pregnant. I'm not, I'm not going to go through that. So I'm, we're taking the precautions there. Um, but so she could really only see my eyes. And so that's what she kept focusing on. <laughs> She just kept on asking if I was okay because the twitch is so bad. <laughs> it was like I was winking at her. <laughs> but that that's okay. Things will get better. And uh, we just got to take things one step at a time. So that is Raise a Cuppa. On the Couch. Well, I only have one thing technically on the couch at this very moment. However, after this uh, episode goes up, I will be casting on something new. (laughs) I know. I just got done talking about Project Down Along. But remember, my friends, anything I cast on for Baby Jimmy does not count. So, you know, it's all good. And anyway, but the thing that I have currently on the needles is a pattern by D. O'Keefe. And I have it linked in my show notes. But the pattern is a shawl called Tend Tend Really. Tend Really. I keep messing that up. I keep wanting to call it Tenderly. <laughs> but I know it's Tend Really. Uh, it's a beautiful shawl. And it is full of lace and... and um, cable repeats now the cables are super easy they're just a two by two crossover either front or back and they only happen every I don't know 10 or so rows or something like that (laughs) but I was working on this last week and all of a sudden I I had it laying on my on my lap and I was looking down at it and I realized that the cables actually 
mimicked the look of a woman's private part. And I happened to be knitting this as a gift to my OBGYN to thank her for all of her care and attention and hard work during this time. <laughs> so I showed it to my husband and I said, it's rather apropos, isn't it? And we just know because our OB, she is such a good sport and she's so kind and funny and, and generous and everything. And she's just going to get such a kick out of it when I point that out to her. Um, but it, I mean, uh, if, if you didn't have a gross mindset like me, you probably wouldn't notice that. <laughs> if you were looking at this pattern, you would just notice how beautiful the lace and cable go together because they really do go well together. Um, I am knitting this using Brava Worsted Minis in the Colorway Marina, which I know they also have in regular Brava Worsted. I just got the minis on super good clearance, and so uh, I was thinking I was going to use these for something for Baby Jimmy, but turns out sort of for Baby Jimmy, but more for, you know, the OBGYN. And I like this because um, she, the, our OBGYN is not a knitter. I don't think she would really know how to care for a 100% wool um, item. And so this being a 100% um, acrylic, acrylic, wait, 100% premium acrylic. There we go. Got it. Um, I feel like it'll be a lot easier for her to care for over the ensuing years. She honestly can just throw it in the wash and throw it in the dryer and she should be good. Um and so I like that a lot. And I am knitting this using U.S. size 7s. I think I might have liked the fabric better if I had gone up one needle size. But I did get the correct stitches per inch using the U.S. 7s. So, you know, it's probably supposed, because of the cables, I'm thinking, it's supposed to be a little bit stiffer fabric so maybe a us8 would make the fabric a little too loose for the cabling portion and so i should just i should just be ha I, i'm happy with the way it is <laughs> yes i'm happy the way it is um i would say i am about 60 percent finished with that i'm really enjoying it um, when i first started knitting on it i really had to pay attention because there there isn't so much uh, lace details on both the front of uh, the right and wrong side of the fabric, but there is um, textured knitting, like knit and pearls, on the wrong side of the of the fabric. That at first you really need to pay attention to, to really figure out what Dio Keefe is thinking, wh where she's placing those pearls. But now that I've done uh, quite a hefty amount of the of the pattern, which by the way, this shawl is enormous um uh as it would be knitting on uh worsted weight and it takes 540 yards of worsted weight mind you too um but now that I've gotten about 60 percent done I can read the 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 wrong side of the pattern really well um and so I don't real once in a while I triple check to make sure that I'm getting the stitches right on the wrong uh, <laughs> correct on the wrong side of the pattern but overall I'm just I'm going with the flow because I know I now know what D. O'Keefe was thinking when she when she did this or that. And so I'm just working away on that and hoping to get it done before baby's born. But if it's done after baby's born, that's totally fine too. I'll just bring it by her office. 
The other things that I am working on um, or that I will be casting on this afternoon is, or I should say are, because I am casting on two things this afternoon. Um, it, the first one is a pattern by Amy Gaines, who, if you haven't known of Amy Gaines, she um, she has been knitting uh, or designing toy patterns for years and years, and I've always enjoyed her patterns, even though I've, I don't think I've ever knit any of her patterns. I think this will officially be the first. So I'm super excited by that. Um, I'm knitting the Robot Knit Amigurumi by Amy Gaines. And I do have that linked in my show notes that does go to Ravelry. So be aware of that, please. I will also see if there's... I'm sure she's got her own website. So if I can find her own website as well with her, all of her knitting patterns, I'll include that in the show notes as well. Um, but uh, I was showing my husband... Um, some things that I had on my wish list to knit for baby Jimmy. And this was one of them. And as soon as my husband saw this pattern, he got so excited because I don't know what the name of the video game is, but I think it's a retro video game because he very much likes the more retro video games that he plays a lot. Um, but apparently this looks exactly like a robot from a retro video game and I guess the robot goes and is eating things or gathering things and as it gathers things he gets bigger and bigger or something like that and then something cool happens I've completely lost it but he got really excited by that because I apparently that was one of his favorite games when he was a lot younger um and so he goes, he goes and says, you know, Jimmy totally needs that. And, you know, if, if you happen to be able to knit an extra one so that I can have it on my desk at work, I wouldn't be upset. <laughs> and so I promised him I would knit this. Uh, I'm using Lion Brand's Heartland uh, line of, of, of yarn, which is a worsted weight. Um, and I have all the colors that I need. I just need to cast it on. Um, and I looked over the pattern. It looks pretty darn simple. Um, there's going to be a lot of seaming going on. But it also looks like it's going to be a fun, fun knit. It's 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 going to be really fun. And then the other thing that I'm going to cast on is I wanted to knit my baby a um, a mobile. And actually, that was why we were on Ravelry with my husband and I, is I, I asked him, you know, I've got all these mobiles that I've put in my in my favorites list, and I just, I need help picking out the one to knit for him. And just so you know, there aren't very many, okay, I'm just going to be honest, there aren't very many cute hand-knit mobile patterns out there. However, there is one in particular that my husband and I just absolutely love. It's called Woodland Tales Animal Mobile by Amanda Berry. It's got a miniature hedgehog, a miniature fox, a miniature raccoon, and a miniature squirrel all hanging from a mobile. And at the top of the mobile, there's a mushroom. And my husband saw that and he's just like, you know, that is just perfectly you and it's a happy one and I like it I think our boy will like it so I think you should knit that one 
Now, I'm a little torn on these mobile things because here's the thing. When you're looking straight at a mobile, you get to see all the designs. But the baby isn't looking straight at the mobile. They're looking from the bottom going up. And so in my head, the one thing that I'm a little concerned about is that on this mobile, uh, baby Jimmy's just going to be looking at all their butts the way they have it arranged for this pattern. So I'm kind of contemplating to myself um, if I want to change how they will hang on the, on the mobile so that he can see their faces. Um, I'm, I'm really contemplating that because the, I, I feel like the whole intention of a mobile is to give them something entertaining to look up at rather than just the ceiling. And if it's just the bottoms of these animals, that's not really much better than the ceiling, in my opinion. So I'm contemplating that. But these, this is all knit using a fingering weight. And they used 100% acrylic in their design, but I'm going to be using all my leftovers. And so they're all going to be 100% wool or, you know, those kinds of things. And uh, I'm just, if I don't have the color that it calls for in the pattern, I'll just substitute for as close as I can. And I'll just be happy with that. Because uh, I just don't want to go out and buy a whole bunch of more yarn to use. And I've got so much leftover yarn that I shouldn't have a problem for 95% of, of this pattern. Uh, the black on the raccoon might be a little challenging. I'm not sh I really don't think I've got black fingering weight. I do have black alpaca. Oh, there we go. Ah, see, they're problem solved. I have black fingering weight alpaca yarn. There we go. See, this is why I love talking to you guys. I problem solve while I'm doing this. This is wonderful. But both of these things, since it's a Friday late afternoon, both of these things are on my docket to be cast on tonight. <laughs> so we'll see how far I get in that goal. But that is on the couch. On the shelf, I have one epic project done. Done, done, done. Are you ready for this? My Jelly Roll Blanket by Kate Jones of the Bakery Bears for my little Jimmy, his his main blanket for his, uh, that I'm calling his baby blanket, is done. I am so happy and yet so sad because I miss it. I miss working on it. I finished it this week. Um, I, I expanded the blanket because I felt like it was an odd shape, but I had run out of color themes for each stripe. At least I did in my head. I'm sure other people could have helped me come up with other color themes to go for more strips or stripes or whatever you want to call them. But I ended up adding on, on either side of the blanket, I added on a strip of self-striping yarn. And so those uh, of my, all my leftover self-striping yarn, not all of them, actually. I couldn't actually get through all of them. Um, so that tells you a lot. Um, but I did utilize my self-striping yarn on both sides. And of course, my husband's favorite is the Star Trekky colorway. 
uh, by Fiber Nymph Dye Works that I had left over from when I knit him his pair of socks. And so I, of course, incorporated that into the self-striping um, well, on one side. And he, of course, loves that one. Um, but it's, it's just, it's beautiful. And then once that was done, let me see here. I wrote it down. Um, once that was done, the blanket measured 30 inches wide by 41 inches long. And it just felt perfect. Where before it felt a little too narrow, now it just felt it was wide enough. Like I could have added one more strip, which would have been added another three inches onto it. But I, I, I'm just, I'm really happy with what the way it looked. And I also knew that I was going to be adding on a border. So that would increase it as well, which I then did. So I picked up one of my many, many, many skeins of undyed yarn from a um, mill that I got when I was visiting Washington quite a few years ago. Uh, there was a local mill there at one of the shows that I, I went to. And I picked up quite a few of her skeins of yarn. Um, and she doesn't, I can't remember the name of the mill now, but she doesn't hand dye any of her yarn. She just, she spins it up and she sells it raw like that. And I, I really liked that. Um, and it's in Rambouillet, which is actually my favorite um, wool to knit with. Um, and so I picked up my book that I had purchased especially for this project, which is Every Which Way Crochet Borders by Edie Ekman. And I reread all of her instructions, and she gives such good instructions on how to figure out uh, your border, uh, color scheme, color theme, using um, calculations, um, um, techniques to use if you're uh, adding on a crochet border to a crocheted blanket versus a knitted blanket, um, doing some mathematics, which I did not do because I just was like, no way, Jose, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm not good at math. Um, but figuring it all out. And I read through it and then Mr. Radio and I sat down and we went through all 100 and something, I think it's over 100 uh, uh, borders patterns that she has in that book and we <laughs> ended up picking one of her simplest designs in there which is a um, fan or a clam uh, base uh, border or design stitch if you will and it's one that you guys will all know when you see it I mean everybody has everybody in the in the knitting crocheting world knows of this one and we just uh, we just kept on coming back to that one because we just thought, you know, there's so many bright colors in the blanket itself and it's so dynamic on its own that we thought it would be overkill to do a more intricate border. And so we decided on that one. I did have to fudge a bit on this because I didn't do the math as she suggested to do. Um... I didn't have the correct amount of rows or stitches, and so I would have to um, fudge a little bit here and there. But it's it's beautiful, and it lays well and flat, and there's no puckering. And I just, I really like it. I'm just so pleased. And uh, it's I'm currently looking at it right now. It's laying over my couch um, arm 
and which is right in front of me and it just it makes both Mr. Radio and I super happy to see it and so I can't wait to wrap my little Jimmy Bean up in his baby blanket for the first time Uh, and Watson will have to give it up because Watson has been loving this blanket he love he's as it's gotten bigger and bigger you know the blanket will lay over Watson as Watson's cuddling with me on whatever furniture I'm sitting on and (laughs) unfortunately now that it's done he's gonna have to give up the baby blanket um and just go back to I, I guess I need to knit Watson a blanket as well I'll I'll have to get on that at some point we shall see But that is on the shelf. Personal skill set. Well, as I mentioned earlier in this episode, I was interviewed by my good friends at the audio podcast Gravel Knits. And that was a really interesting experience, as I mentioned. (laughs) It was great. Um, I've held lots of interviews within our uh, knitting community, but I have never myself been interviewed. So I was a nervous wreck, to say the least, Uh, even though Caitlin and Kelsey are so loving and gentle and kind and patient and everything wonderful. I was so nervous, Uh, but it was, you know, it was it turned out well in the end. And little Jimmy's kicking at me again at this moment. Um. Well, at one point during that interview, uh, they asked me how I learned to knit. And I relayed um, a short story of that. Um, You know, I had technically my mom had taught me to knit when I was young. Um, Actually, she tried quite a few times to teach me to knit, even though my mom's not a knitter. And I think it's funny because now I have to reteach my mom (laughs) whenever she gets a bee in her bonnet that she wants to knit something. I have to then show her how to do the knit stitches all over again, just like she did or tried to when I was pretty darn young, like eight or 10 years old. I think the last time she tried, I was probably about 12, probably. Um, But none of those times seemed to stick with me. I don't know. Maybe I got bored. Maybe I didn't enjoy the yarn. I don't I don't know. Um, Maybe it was because I was knitting scarves, and I've always hated knitting scarves, even to this day. I can't do it. But then when I was a missionary at age 21, I learned to knit by this beautiful woman who is a Maori woman who was transplanted from New Zealand, and she lived in this little town in upper Nevada where I was uh, stationed at the time. And she was blind. And this woman knit the most beautiful things Um, and, uh, she, she would invite us in to talk to her about the gospel. And she was just always knitting, always knitting. And soon I was asking her during our visits, um, about her knitting. And, and I I asked her if she'd be willing to teach me. And, she didn't even hesitate. I I remember very clearly that she just got this most beautiful smile on her face. She was just so excited. And I don't know if nobody else had ever asked her to teach them before or what, but um I do remember she was knitting on a colorwork sweater when I asked her to knit to teach me to knit. And now looking back on it, I'm thinking to myself, how 
how how did this beautiful blind woman knit a colorwork sweater? In my head, I remember it being so gorgeous. The, the design was probably very simple. I think it was a snowflake design. That's what my memory tells me. And so it was only two colors. Um, but I mean, those of us with really good sight, we struggle a lot of times with fair isle or color work knitting. And this woman was doing it without even thinking. Uh, it was just a beautiful thing. Um, but now she agreed. And so now our visits turned more into <laughs> her showing me how to knit uh, from her vantage point, which is obviously blind. Um, and so she really insisted that I learn that method from the very beginning. So I was relaying this story to on the audio podcast and I got a beautiful listener of Gravel Knits messaged me on Instagram and she asked me if I would be willing to share what that experience was and maybe some pointers about learning uh, about knitting blind. Now, I'm not sure how much pointers I'm going to, this is going to contain in it. Um, and my memory is a little bit fuzzy because remember, this is almost 20 years ago that I, that I had this experience. So I've been knitting about 20 years now. Um, but I'm going to relay as best I can from what I remember about that experience. Um, and I even challenged myself last week, uh, this no la- yeah last week it was knitting on the jelly roll blanket for baby jimmy i challenged myself i put a blindfold on myself and i knit blind for i think it was a little over an hour and i took the blindfold off cuz i was totally prepared to have to rip out everything that i had worked on um during that hour because it'd been so long since i truly knit blind um and i was really surprised i didn't have to rip anything out i it was it was gorgeous. My stitches were looser. I will say that. But I didn't feel like it was so loose that I had to um, rip it out. So this is how my Maori friend taught me to knit. First, she handed me a skein of yarn. And my memory says that this was a worsted weight, probably acrylic skein of yarn. I remember it was very hard wearing. It was soft to the touch. But I mean, what she had me doing with it over that ensuing week and the weeks to come, it had to be really long wearing because I used that same skein over and over and over again as I learned to knit and for months afterwards. So what she did was is she told me I needed to learn the feel of it. And so she handed me the skein of yarn. And she had me close my eyes and describe to her what it felt like in my hands and run and ran it through my hands over and over. And I remember her hands were guiding over my hands as I was running the yarn through. And without me even realizing it, she had, at least this is what my memory tells me, but without me realizing it, she had actually wrapped the yarn around my left hand um, just as uh, as if she were preparing me to knit. Now, I didn't realize this at the time, but um, so she wrapped it around my pinky, brought the yarn up through my palm of my hand and then over my pointer finger. 
And she started pulling it through my hand. And uh, it just the feel of it running through my fingers was so amazing. And I remember at one point laughing at the feel of it because it just felt so ticklish and yet so wonderful at the same time. And so she invited me that week to just feel the yarn, to just run it through my fingers whenever I had some. And so I cut, I cut off a piece of that skein of yarn and I carried it with me that entire week. And I played around with it and I, I remember there was this one point where I figured out that if I closed my pinky or brought my pinky up to my other fingers and held it, uh, held it either tight or tighter, against my fingers, I could control how fast or not at all I could run the yarn through my fingers. And I thought that was so amazing. And so I will tell you the truth. I distinctly remember doing all of this while watching the yarn run through my fingers. Um, That whole week that I wasn't with her, I used my eyesight. I was running that yarn through my fingers like crazy, uh, weaving it in and out, probably doing a little finger knitting or an attempt at finger knitting, even though I didn't know what finger knitting was at that time. But I just learned to love the feel of yarn in my hand. And then the next time we came over to her house, she had a pair of wooden uh, straight needles And she handed them to me and she told me, all right, this week, I want you to just learn how these feel in your hands. And that's what I did. Actually, I remember this one was a shorter period of time because I think she was having us over a few days later for dinner. So I don't think it was an entire week. It was probably just a few days that I had the wooden needles. And I, I do remember my companion laughing at me at one point because I was playing air drums in the car as we were driving along with the needles in my hands and I was just loving them. I don't remember what size they were. They were probably a US 8 uh, because um, she was quite the stickler for making sure that your yarn matched the needle size even though I didn't understand what that was like I didn't even know what fingering weight was or any other bulky DK lace weight I like I'd never heard of those things I didn't even know that I was handling worsted weight and I didn't know that there was different size needles at the time it was what she gave me but um I I feel like she did talk to me about that um about the importance of that at some point. I vaguely remember that. Well, the next time we were over, it was for this dinner. And after dinner, we sat on her front porch again. And she um, sat in front of me, facing me, and put her hands on mine and taught me to cast on. And she taught me the method of a slip knot and then a knitted cast on. And um, I remember how tricky that was for me because she had her hands over my hands and so I actually couldn't see the movement of the yarn and the needles I was totally entrusting myself to her care and everything and so she would move the needles um, in such a way that the cast on would happen now think about this for a minute my friends so this blind woman is teaching another sighted woman to cast on. But this blind woman is also teaching her to cast on backwards for her 
as in from her perspective. She taught me to cast on backwards from her perspective and correctly from my perspective. And we're sitting on her porch and she's doing that and we're doing it over and over. Um, and I remember her using my fingers to place, to separate out the um, stitches and to to hold my, um, I think it was my middle finger because that's the one I still use. So it must have been my middle finger to separate out the, t- the two stitches and to feel for the the needle coming in between the stitches and when I felt the little poke of the needle I would move my middle finger aside and that's when I would wrap with my pointer finger the yarn around that and she used the rhyme even on the cast on she used the classic rhyme to teach me this um she's um in through the front door around the back peep through the window and off jumps jack now if you know the knitted cast on you know that that's technically not what you're doing because you're putting your needles in between two stitches, hooking on the new yarn and bringing it out and looping it over the current needle or the working needle. Um, But she was still using that rhyme with me at that time. And it came in handy later, obviously. Um, But my assignment that week was to practice this cast on and I really struggled with it because when she was teaching me I couldn't see how my hands were working the needles and the yarn so when I got home I felt very lost and it wasn't until my companion told me to try closing my eyes and doing it that I actually figured it out because intuitively she was teaching me how to knit blind by making sure that I could not see things and my, that my tactile experience was heightened. And so um, I really struggled that week to do the cast on. I would do it over and over and over again. And there was so many messes and having to cut off pieces of yarn and throw it away. But I just kept on doing it. Um And I remember I even had yarn in my hands running through my fingers when we attended church that week, too. I was just I was I was quickly becoming obsessed. And so the next time we met, um, she had me show her that I could cast on. And while it was pretty clumsy, I remember uh, I I was I was growling, I think, and, you know, talking about how frustrated it was. I think I was proficient enough that she felt that she could teach me the knit stitch at that point. And so she did. And that's when the rhyme really made sense to me. Because this time she had me separating out by feel. And again, she's doing this facing me, her hands over mine. So she's doing everything backwards so that I'm learning the correct way. Um... But she had her hands over mine and she would separate out or we would separate out the stitches using my middle finger. And this time I would actually hook in the front leg of of the stitch and I would bring that needle around back and I would feel the motion of wrapping the stitch, the yarn around the needle at that point and bringing it back through. Now, when I brought it back through, she had me holding the uh, your fingers are always very close to whatever stitch you're knitting on when you're knitting blind at least it uh was for me especially in the beginning so 
I kind of had a little bit of a death grip on the needles and I was sweating a lot, I'm pretty sure. Um, but I would use my middle finger to indicate, to separate out the stitches and to tell me when my needle got in correctly, like uh, I could feel it. And then I would use my other fingers to hold the yarn in place as it slipped back to the front and my thumb would feel for the yarn and the needle at the front to make sure that it was correct and actually hold it in place while I slipped it off the new needle and the and the new stitch was placed on the new needle. This is really hard to explain. Wow. So we just worked on that and I don't know how long we were there that night, but I remember it felt like a long time. And by the way, as she was teaching me these things, she would just tell beautiful stories of her childhood growing up in New Zealand. I can't, I can't remember the stories. I can't even remember a single one. But I do remember the feeling. And the longing to visit New Zealand started then. I don't think I had ever really thought to myself to ever go there. But when she was telling her stories, I had such beautiful images come up. I, at least that's what my feeling memory tells me. And that's when the desire to visit New Zealand really sprung up. And the more I've learned about New Zealand, New Zealand and its wonderful, caring, loving people and its lush landscape, the more I want to go there. But I digress. So she had me practice that. And that was actually the last time I saw her because I got transferred back to Las Vegas. And I still had that skein of yarn and that pair of needles that she had given me. And I just practiced the knit stitch, working it over and over again. And uh, mostly I did it blind because when I tried to look at my knitting, it didn't make sense to me. Like it just didn't compute. And even today, sometimes I look at my knitting and I'm just like, what did I do there? But if I feel my knitting, sometimes I can figure it out. It's just, it's interesting. Um, But there was a lot of, I mean, the the fabric just was not pretty. I will just tell you that. I am pretty sure I did some, a lot of unintentional yarn overs. I dropped a lot of stitches, but it didn't really matter to me because I was just enjoying myself. And when I ran out of yarn from that one skein, I would unwind it, roll it into a ball, and start all over again. (laughs) And I did that until I went home from my mission, which was only a few months later, mind you. Um, And then it was over the years since that I started to learn. It was after that when I got home that another friend of mine taught me to read patterns and to knit my first hedgehog that I knit for one of my nieces. Um, again, that pattern was all in knit stitch. Oh, and she taught me to knit in the round. So a sighted person taught me the more technical knitting skills, if you will. And so I learned to purl sighted. I, and so I still tend to look at my knitting as I purl. So I can't tell you how to purl blind, actually. Um, but that was my experience learning to knit uh, blind, if you will. Now, I thought to myself as I was writing this up, this isn't good enough. Like, there's got to be some more detail out there, some more helpful information than my little story to help my listeners, you know, on this journey if they're choosing to do that. And there, there's one website or blog, I should say, that I actually found 
is written by a um by a um um seeing challenged a woman and it's called working out kinks and fingering yarn and she actually goes into a lot of technical detail at least i feel a lot more technical detail than i did but about how to figure out um matching yarn to needles um and um the importance of different things and how you hold your yarn and things like that and all things from her perspective as a blind person and i really liked that blog i also found a youtube video of a young woman who is sighted um who decided when she was in college that she wanted to be able to knit while she was reading her textbooks or in class and so she taught herself to knit by feel i would not say that she is knitting blind she is knitting by feel and her technique of that is much different however i would also say that her technique of doing that might be more useful for those of you who are sighted and wanting to learn to knit by feel at this point um And so I've linked that uh, video in my show notes as well for you. Um, But, you know, knitting blinded or without sight is a really great skill to master. And whether whether you've got sight or you haven't. So I just want you to remember a few things. Be patient with yourself. I think this experience was one of the first times I had really had to learn true patience because other things seem to come to me so much quicker and easier in my life I learned like innately I knew how to work with horses and when I learned to ride it just seemed so natural when I was sitting in the saddle and and the ways to place your to hold your hands and to and to um, have your feet and to be stretching your feet out and the way you move with the animal all just seemed very natural. And I needed very little instruction from my uh, my horse uh, trainer um, for that. And, you know, playing the violin, while I'm not a virtuoso in any sense, in fact, I would not even dare to play the violin in front of you, um, <laughs> um, it still seemed a lot more natural to me than learning to knit. And same with playing the piano learning to play the piano I don't know if learning to read was very natural or not but I really feel like learning to knit without sight or by feel really tested my patience a lot but it wasn't that it was testing my patience with the act it was testing my patience with myself with my expectations of how I should be performing at that point, right? And uh, once I came to grips with that, like it just, um, things just flowed more easy. Like I just didn't care when I was practicing knitting after I, you know, moved away from my Maori friend. It didn't matter to me that my stitches were loose and ungainly and some were really tight, like I had a death grip on the yarn and others were so loose you could see through it. I was just having fun at that point. I had accepted that this was a part of my journey. And until I was going through all of this to to write this up and to really think about this, 
it struck me that I've kind of lost that over the last 20 years. My expectation of my ability to knit more and more complicated things, more intricate things, has grown with my skill. And when I don't get things right away, I become easily frustrated with it. And I lose sight a lot of times of the process of knitting something rather than the finished product and how beautiful or not pretty it looks, right? And so I've really been contemplating that the last little while. But but I really want to emphasize having patience with yourself. Um, another thing I thought of is giving yourself some little challenges along the way. Not expecting yourself to be able to knit by feel immediately, but maybe one or two stitches, right? And of course, not the more complicated things. Not even a purl stitch. We're just talking a knit stitch. And when you're practicing this, I also recommend probably, I mean, I think, I think this is so funny because I, I really hate giving advice, um, but I'm giving advice to you now. But in my mind, it seems most logical to me that you would practice this using worsted weight and probably US 7s to US 8 needles uh, and, uh, and knitting like you're knitting a swatch, just something fun. It doesn't mean anything. Um, because it, this is, this is, this is for fun and it does, and, and this is only for you, right? To learn how to do this new skill. Uh, and so I thought that that would probably be my recommendation to knit, uh, knit on a swatch with dedicated yarn and needles that match obviously, and to give yourself small little challenges, like one or two stitches. And then as you progress 10 stitches, I don't even know that I would recommend trying to learn to cast on blind uh, or by feel from the very beginning. I think I would probably recommend casting on sighted and then um, and then just teaching yourself to to um, knit because I remember I was she did not teach me about the whole keeping your stitches exactly straight on my cast on. So there was quite a few Mobius-type things that I produced over the ensuing months until my friend back here in Anchorage taught me about the importance of keeping all the stitches lined up. That's what my memory tells me, but I'm pretty sure my blind Maori friend probably did teach to tell me about the importance of this, and I just don't remember it, or I didn't remember it at the time, but... I just want to wish you guys good luck on this journey, and I hope you really enjoy learning to knit by feel, if you will. Uh, And thank you for listening to my little story of how I learned to knit by feel. A time for Hugo. Well, on the subject of knitting by feel or knitting blind, I thought I would kind of make up a little game to play for a time for Hugo this episode. So I want you to recognize that what I've done is I've combined some mindfulness techniques and kind of, I'm probably, I'm pretty darn sure that I'm not the first person to think of this quote unquote game, but it's. You know, I didn't even bother to look it up to see if there was anybody else online that had 
had done this sort of thing in the past. So just so you know, this is all Emily right here. So I'd like you to invite a friend, your partner, or a child to play this, uh, this game along with you. And I want you each to go in separate places in the house and go on a little hunting expedition. And use some kind of container to hold your items in so that the other person, when you come back together, won't be able to see what items you picked. But just pick some random, maybe t- five, ten items in the house to bring back to to play this game. And try to make them as diverse as possible as far as shape, feel, um, the, the what it's used for. Um, how often it's used versus how rare it's used, maybe even. And then um, I want you to sit with each other in a nice, comfortable position. And one of you will place a kerchief or a blindfold over the other person's eyes. And you'll place one object that you gathered into their hands. And you will invite them to take some time to really explore the object by feel. Um, and if you're really uh, competitive, you could like set a timer, say two minutes or three minutes to limit their time in which they are holding the object before they have to name the object. But if you're not feeling very competitive, that doesn't really matter, but you want to bring in some more mindfulness into this game. So you can invite them to describe what they're feeling through their fingertips as they explore the object. Is it cold or is it warm to the touch? Is it soft and smooth or hard or is it textured? What shape can they feel through their fingertips? Does it make a sound? And so many other questions. Just have them describe it in as much detail as possible. Are there pointy bits? Is it it rounded and smooth? Those kinds of things. Whatever you can think of. And at some point... Either when the timer runs out, if you're using the more competitive method, or when the person says, I think I know what this is, whatever whatever method you want to use, they can try and name the object. Now, at this point, I thought to myself, there's a couple of ways that we could play this game. One way is that you could then use a notepad to write down what they thought the object was, and then you just place it aside. And give them the next object to try to figure out. And you can go through all of your objects all at once when that person remains blindfolded the whole time. But then I thought to myself, that might get a tad, I I don't want to say boring, but um, both of you might start to get a little impatient at that point. So then I thought, okay, after each one, uh, this is the alternative. After each object is named, the person can be unblindfolded. And they can find out if they were right or wrong uh, on what the object is. And you guys can all have a good laugh and talk about what the experience was and how wonderful that was. And now it's your turn to be blindfolded. And you get to experience that whole thing again and describe it in in as much minute detail as possible before you give your answer. And, you know, this is just a friendly game. Uh... You can have a prize at the end, like maybe the person who wins gets to pick dinner for the next night or something like that, or a fun activity they'd like to do, or maybe a chore they'd like to have the other person do for them, um, or 
any number of things. Mind you, to try to keep whatever reward for the winner as un... Is the word untangible? No. I am... uh, unmonetized as possible like you're not going you're not gambling on this like the the loser doesn't give you five dollars at the end or something like that right or they don't have to take you out to dinner that kind of thing because remember huga is all about yes it's all about indulgence but it's all about comfort and feel and so i even hesitated to put in them some of the elements in here that bring up an air of competitiveness because I feel like that is a little counterintuitive to the the um, philosophy behind Huga. So, you know, take that as you will. But I just thought that this would be such a fun game to play. And I actually really want to play it with Mr. Radio this weekend. So maybe next time I record, if I remember, because you guys know my memory, I always forget things. Um, but if I remember, I will share with you how that experience was playing my own game. So I, I, I think this would be really fun to do. And I hope that you guys can take a moment to have a fun, um, stress-free evening of Huga fun and laughter by playing this game. Contemplation Corner When we still our mind and stroll through the human landscapes around us, we can see astounding images sneaking from undisclosed places and hear roaring sounds behind unsuspecting walls. If we take the time to listen to the blistering fury of the silence and look at the inconspicuous specks in our surroundings, our world can turn into an explosion of little wonders. We realize that we finally recognize the things we have overlooked due to our deafness and blindness. This excerpt is taken from Fish for Silence by Eric Pevernegi, who is a Belgian artist or painter, and I am really excited to have discovered this man. Well, my friends, our time together has come to a close for another episode. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for listening as I recounted my um, tale of learning to knit by feel. Um, And I hope that some of those pointers were helpful to you. And uh, thank you guys for always being there, for reaching out, for making me a part of your lives and for really just enjoying and loving the same craft that I do. I feel like that binds us all together. And remember to knit what you love and love what you knit. Ta-ta for now. Right on target. He's quite the energetic little guy.